podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Thursday, the 8th of September, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change location, access things you geoblock from, while also keeping your data safe. Go to LibertyShield.com right now and use the code EPL25. That's EPL25. You get 25% off at checkout. There is a hardware option and a software option. EPL 25 gets you 25% off them at the checkout. If you're that UK expat who wants to watch Match of the Day on a Saturday night, this is what you need, so get on it straight away. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And lastly, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off. Do also be sure to listen to a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You can find that on this feed and the EPL Roundtable. You'll find that in your podcast provider by searching EPL Roundtable. Hosted by Kevin DeVries, though this week hosted by Jake Jackman. Out every Sunday. If not Sunday, it's out Monday. Right, folks. Uh, mad. There was no football last night. It all got cancelled and nothing happened. Um, no. No, I can't even do that. Uh, let's just go through these games quickly. Rangers nil. Ajax 4. Ajax spanking Rangers in Amsterdam. Edson Alvarez after 17 minutes. Steven Berghaus after 32. Mohamed Kudus after 33. And Steven Bergwijn after 80. Rangers given a beating that their fans did not take well. And you would have to imagine that Giovanni van Bronckhorst's job is under threat after that and the whooping they took against Celtic. Eintracht Frankfurt nil, Sporting 3. Marcus Edwards on 65. Francisco Trinquiao on 67. And Nuno Santos on 80. Sporting just cut them apart. First half was quite tight and tense once Sporting got going. They just carved them open. Um, just what I'm thinking of sporting, I don't for one second believe a word of the claims by Sky Sports that Todd Bowley approached Ruben Amaram. I uh, certainly don't believe that he spoke to him. Ruben Amaram was preparing for a Champions League game. There is no way he stopped to take a phone call from Todd Bowley. Sky also reporting in that snippet that they hadn't, that Chelsea hadn't approached Sporting. So they spoke to their manager without asking first. If there's any truth to that, Sporting should nail Chelsea to a wall. Uh, Inter Milan nil, Bayern Munich 2, Leroy Sane and Daniel, Danilo D'Ambrosia own goal, putting the game to bed. I will say I thought Inzaghi made some brave decisions, like starting Onana and dropping Handanovic, dropping De Vrij. Not sure the De Vrij one worked, but I would stick with Onana in goal. 
moving forward. I would suggest, though, that playing a midfield three of Mkhitaryan, Brozovic and Chalanaglu is about as stupid an idea as I can imagine. And having Barella on the bench and not bringing him on at all, also fairly stupid. Barcelona 5, Victoria Plisson 1. Frank Kessie, a Robert Lewandowski hat-trick and a Ferran Torres goal for Barca. Jan Sikora with the only goal for the visitors. But at least they got a goal and they put up a bit of a fight. Uh, Atletico Madrid 2, Porto 0. This game was nil. Sorry, Porto 1, I should say. This game was nil-nil at 90 minutes. Mehdi Taremi had been sent off on 81. Hermoso scored in the 91st minute. Matthias Uribe equalised in the 96th minute from the penalty spot. And then Antoine Griezmann scored in the 101st minute. I would say Alan Shearer was livid. Absolutely livid by this. Because it wasn't 11 minutes announced. Disgraceful. Club Bruges won Leverkusen nil. Silla with the only goal of the game. Now, Leverkusen did have a goal ruled out because Patrick Schick's toe was offside. They were using the semi-automated offside stuff. And, uh, um, yeah, it, it cost, cost Leverkusen last night. Tottenham 2, Marseille 0. Uh, Chancel and Bemba loves the sending off in the Champions League. Got himself sent off last night. Really not sure how he is starting Champions League games at this point. Really not sure. Um, but two Richarlison goals on 76 and 81 were enough to secure the victory for Tottenham. Um, and then there was another game that took place. I, I don't remember who was playing, but it was like it was Napoli and someone else, and it ended 4-1 to Napoli. Um, and the other team were just a disgrace. I don't know, don't know any other details. Didn't see it. Don't hear about it. That's the Champions League week over. More of that lovely stuff next week. Uh, we do tonight have lots of football going on. We've got Europa League. We've got a bunch of 545 kickoffs, eight in total. Uh, we've got PSV Eindhoven versus Bodo Glimt, FC Zurich versus Arsenal, Fenerbahce against Dynamo Kiev, Ludogorets against Europa Conference League winners from last year, Roma, AEK Larnica versus Ren, Malmo versus Braga, and HJK Helsinki versus Real Betis. You've also got Union Berlin versus Union St. Gilles, uh, which should be a fun game. Um, I think PSV Bodo Glimt is the best of those games, being honest. Then there are eight more games at 8pm. Lazio Feyenoord should be fun. Manchester United versus Real Sociedad should be interesting. Red Star Belgrade versus Monaco. Ferenc Varish versus Trabzonspor. Ammonia versus Sheriff Tiraspol, Nantes versus Olympiakos, SK Sturm Graz versus Mitteland, 
and Freiburg versus Quarabeg. I would say the two standout games there are Lazio Feyenoord and Manchester United Real Sociedad. Um, yeah, I'd probably say get glimpsed in the early game and Lazio, unless you're a United fan, Lazio Feyenoord in the in the later game. There's also Europa Conference League games. There are eight at 5.45 and eight at 8 p.m. So the 5.45, you get Villarreal versus Lech Poznan, Nice versus Cologne, Slovakko versus Partizan Belgrade, Balkany versus CFR Cluj, Anderlecht versus Silkberg, Fiorentina versus ORFS. Who play in Latvia? She didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, Austria Vienna versus H. Beer Shiva, who hail from Israel. And Hearts versus Istanbul Besiktas. In the 8 p.m. kickoff, I have no idea what the game to watch there. I'd say maybe Nice Cologne. I have no idea. Hearts versus Istanbul Besiktas might be decent. Uh, in the 8 p.m. kickoffs, we've got Dnipro versus AZ Alkmaar, West Ham versus the artist formerly known as uh, Stoya Bucharest, FC Vaduz versus Apollon. Slovan Bratislava versus Zalgiris. Sivaspor versus Slavia Prague. Molde versus Ghent. Basel versus Punic. And Mighty Shamrock Rovers versus Jurgarden. The truth of the matter is the West Ham game is the one to watch, but I'm going to watch the Shamrock Rovers game. That's my late kickoff game is Shamrock Rovers versus Jurgarden uh in the early kickoff. I think I'll probably watch PSV Bodo or maybe not watch anything at all. Um right, that is tonight's games. Lots of them. Lots of them. You can't really complain. 32 games for you to choose from 16 in each time slot. Should be decent. Should be decent. I'm going to take an early break. When we come back, we've got questions. We'll have the gossip. And then that'll be us for today. I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, uh, it is questions time. Let's have a look and see what we have coming today. Um, Alex Sapopo, I was wondering if you could provide some player comparisons for some of the young players in the Premier League. One comparison based on where they are now and one based on their ceiling. Right. Um, starts with Harvey Elliott. 
The obvious one is Bernardo Silva, but like young Bernardo, when he was still at Benfica and then when he went to Monaco, Bernardo has developed into an incredible all-round player. But you look at the builds, the skill set, the body control, the way he dribbles, the way he moves, I think there's a little, a little bit of Bernardo. And I think that's probably, that's probably... If everything went perfectly for Harvey, I think Bernardo's probably his ceiling, but maybe a little bit lower. Um, Moises Casado is a very unique player, very subtle player. There's obviously a bit of Ginny Wijnaldum in him in terms of his off-ball work, but he's better at it than Ginny ever was. And Ginny was great at it, so that tells you how highly I think of, of Casado. Um, he's not as nasty as him, but stylistically, energy-wise, defensive awareness-wise, I think he's a, he's got a lot of Diego Simeone in him. Simeone was a nastier player. He had real fight to him. I don't know that Casado has that he hasn't shown it but from the skill set point of view I think Simeone's not a bad comparison um in terms of ceiling I mean I don't know he could be anything he's still so young we don't yet know what his best position is going to be right side now he's a defensive ace he might end up as a six that might be a waste of him I've seen some people say N'Golo Kante, but he's a different type of player. Kante was a very active, aggressive tackler. Much more of Casado's game <clears throat> is based on subtlety, based on anticipation and positional sense. So I don't like the Kante uh, comparison. He's not as good on the ball as Seydorf, but off the ball, he does remind me a bit of Seydorf. Seydorf was very, very special. <clears throat> Just trying to think. See, that type of defensive eight is relatively new sort of wrinkle in things. You, you had loads of box-to-box -box players. Could do. And more... Do you know actually who he reminds me of? Now that I think of it, Emerson, the Brazilian Emerson that played for Roma and Juventus. That's who he reminds me of. I'm going to say Emerson. Um, Morgan Gibbs-White, again, quite a unique profile of player. Long term, I think he's probably an attacking eight. But he can play as a 10, he can play as a winger, he's played up front. He's got a lot of power to his game. Quite quick. Good on the ball. I don't think he'll ever get to this level. But the player he reminds me of a bit, not, not entirely, but a bit, is Andreas Muller, the German midfielder. Just as that goal-scoring, attacking midfielder who 
times things really well, but has really good pace to burn away from people. I'll, I'll go him. Jacob Ramsey. Oh, sorry, Gianluca Schamacca. Or Schamacca. There's bits of Alan Boxic about his game. He's not as quick as Boxic. There's bits of Zlatan about his game, but he's not as technically gifted as Zlatan. He's a target man who's really, really good with his feet. Probably better with his feet than he is as an aerial target, but he is a great finisher with his head. His... His finishing, like when he attacks a ball in the penalty box to try and score from an aerial an aerial ball, I think he reminds me a bit of Karl-Heinz Riedler, but he's bigger than Riedler. Like Riedler was 5'10", 5'11". There's a bit of Les Ferdinand, but not Les Ferdinand was a better athlete, had more kind of pace to him, and he's bigger than Ferdinand was. In a way, he's like a better version of Chris Sutton, which sounds like an insult, but Chris Sutton was really good for a couple of years. He's a difficult one to place, really. Luca Tony's probably the best, actually. Luca Tony, it's trying to avoid going nationality for nationality, but Luca Tony's probably the one. Uh, Luca Tony might have been a bit quicker. The other one that he reminds me of actually is Mario Gomez. Remember him? Remember how good he was for a while? Jacob Ramsey, different, different profile a bit, but there's something Nedved-esque about him. The way he carries the ball, the way he shapes his body when he passes it, the ability to beat players, always have, have his head up, the direct nature of his game as well. Now, Nedved obviously played largely as a left winger and Ramsey's played largely in a midfield three. But I, there's something Nedved-esque about him. Now, it's a bit of a stretch maybe, but yeah, he's just who I get when I think of him. Right, Czech de Kure is next. There's a little bit of Kante about him. Now, he's... A bit better on the ball, I think, than Kante was, you know, kind of at his best. He's not as dynamic, but just in terms of how he can just go and take the ball off people, there's a little bit about him. I, I just, I'll go with him. Uh, Amadou Onana, it's Patrick Vieira. It just is Patrick Vieira. If he develops right, he might be incredible. Genuinely. And if you're a Belgian, you should be really excited about the pairing of Onana and the next person on this list, Romeo Lavia, who reminds me quite a bit of Gilberto Silva. I think, I think he's got the same awareness, the reading of the game, the anticipation. He's tough. He's really understated on the ball. That pairing for Belgium might be really spectacular in years to come. Aaron Hickey. 
Kieran Tierney, <laughs> I know it's an obvious one, but Kieran Tierney um, might end up being better on the ball than Tierney, but defensively, he profiles quite like Tierney. Anthony Alanga, I'm not hugely sold on, I have to say. I think he's very quick, but Aaron Lennon is the one he reminds me of, where he's basically just a pace merchant. Um, Julian Alvarez, Ezekiel Levetsi is who he reminds me of. He's not an Aguero. He's a different type. He's a bit more of a grafter. He's a bit more of a bundly dribbler. And I'm going to say Levetsi. Uh, who was great when he was at Napoli. Gabriel Martinelli is an interesting one because he's he's really good. I don't know what his ceiling is, though. Because there's games I watch him and I think there is tons more to come from him. And then there's other times I watch him and think, I, I you might just be what you are. You might just become a better version of this. You might be Richarlison. Or you might be something really special. Now. I'm going to bank on him being better than Richarlison by the time he hits, you know, 24, 25. But there is a world in which his development kind of hits a wall and doesn't go any further. And I'm struggling to think of struggling to think of somebody that who's a, a better comp than Richarlison for him. Like a bit of a poor man's Henri, maybe if everything went right, but he doesn't have Henri's technical ability you know like he's a, a, a poor man's cristiano that upright stance that pace that goal scoring ability from wide areas but again he doesn't have that same there was something about cristiano at, at that kind of age where he terrified you martinelli doesn't really bring that but maybe like a, a poor man's cristiano if he if he hits Kind of where he can get to, but yeah, the Richarlison one is the one that kind of sticks with me. Um, so yeah, there's there's those. Um, Nick Turner asked me to put together a short arse 11, talking five seven or under, as short as you could find, really. I guess Maradona will make the cut now. My question here, um, centre-back is the issue I have. I'm going to cheat and I'm going to raise the level to 5-8 so I can get my centre-backs. So my goalkeeper is going to be Jorge Campos, the legendary Mexican who had incredible costumes that he would wear when he would, was playing as if he was taking part in some sort of Shakespearean play. Um, I'm going to go with him. I, I think he's, 
I think he was actually a very good goalkeeper, but he was also mental and he did play he did play up front um for his club side for quite a while. I'm gonna go Tariq Lamptey as my as my right back because he's like five four and that's incredibly small. So I'm going to go with him. One of my centre-backs will be Ivan Cordoba. Played for Inter Milan for a long time. Tough as nails. Really good defender. Now, according to Wikipedia, Roberto Ayala is 5'10". I don't believe that for a second. I genuinely don't believe that for a second. I think he was about 5'8". So he's going in the team. He just is. He's going in the team. Um, the, he's He was definitely shorter than Cannavaro. And Cannavaro's 5'9". So no, I'm not having that he's 5'10". He's going in the team. Left back then. Roberto Carlos has to be. Roberto Carlos. 5-6. Perfect. Should probably play three centre-backs in truth, but I can't think of another 5-8 centre-back. After those two. I've got Cordoba. I've got Ayala. I can't think of a third one. There has to have been somebody. Has to have been somebody. Lisandro Martinez is not good enough to make this team. Do you know what we could do? Now, he wasn't a centre-back, but I'm going to play him as a centre-back, I think. If he if he fits the 5-8, five, 5-7. Philippe Lamb, come on down. He's going to play as a sweeper. So I'm going to set him in as a sweeper. So we're delighted now at what we've got. Philippe Lamb with Cordoba and Ayala either side. Lamptey and... In fairness, I could just play Lamb as a right back, couldn't I? Yeah, I'll just look. Lamptey, you're out. Lamb is in at right back. We'll go Lamb and Carlos... We'll go Cordoba and Ayala. We've got Campos in goal. Uh, in midfield, Mascherano has to be in. What height was he? He was 5'8", wasn't he? Wikipedia is telling me 5'9", but I don't believe it. I don't believe that for a second. Unless he grew since retiring, I don't believe it. Uh Xavi is obviously going to be in, and assuming I'm right about this, Iniesta will also be in because Iniesta was da, 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 also 5'7. So Xavi and Iniesta are in. So that's fine. Um, we'll obviously be having two number 10s. 
one of them will have to wear the number 11 shirt because only one man can wear the number 10 shirt. The num- one man who can wear the number 10 shirt is Diego Armando Maradona. Uh, Lionel Messi will wear number 11 in this team and they will play as twin number 10s behind my striker. Now, so you see why I need Mascherano because I'm going to have, I need someone to do all the running. And I'm I'm not having that he's 5'9". I'm just not having it. I met the fella. He's not 5'9". I've got Xavi, Mascherano, Iniesta, Maradona, and Messi. So I need uh, a short striker. I think. I think this guy was the right height. Doesn't miss his height. Oh, it does. Five six. Beautiful. One of the most gifted goal scorers the game has ever seen. Romario is my number nine. So I've got Romario, Messi, and Maradona behind him. So imagine the volume of goals I'm getting. I might even play Messi with him up front and give Diego free reign as the as the nine as the ten rather. Javi, Mascherano, and Iniesta. Lam, Carlos, Cordoba, and Ayala, Campos. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, like I said, Wikipedia is telling me Ayala was 5'10". I just, I don't believe it for a second. And I can't think of anyone else who played centre-back who was good enough to be considered for a team like this. Like Cannavaro's 5'9", Puyo 5'10", Baresi 5'9", Koeman 5'11", Beckenbauer was about 5'10", Bobby Moore was 5'11", or so. Um... Yeah, I'm going to stick with what I have. I'm going to stick with what I have. I don't... I can't think of another centre-back. Unless... Unless... No, 5'10". Paolo Montero, who was a lunatic. But... Him, I can believe, being 5'10". He was definitely taller than Ayala. Definitely. Ayala, Ayala gets in. Ayala gets in. We're just taking him and that's it. Uh, so that's that. On then to uh, our Discord questions. And it's a few here. There's not... Let's see. Team Dreamstar, you didn't get round to it, but on one of the pods, could you do your world-class 22? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me grab a pen. Okay. Right. Like I said before, normally I would say the two best players in both positions, 
But there are some positions I don't believe there are two world-class players. There's some positions I don't believe that there's one world-class player. I don't believe there's a world-class left-back. I don't believe there is a truly great left-back in the game right now. I think Canseo's very good. Robertson's very good. Teo Hernandez is very good. I don't think any of them are truly world-class. So I'm not including a left-back. At right-back, I think there's two, but one of them plays in midfield. But I'm going to include him anyway, because I don't think he's a world-class midfielder. I think he's a very, very, very good midfielder. I don't think he's world-class, which is Joshua Kimmich. Uh, So I'm going to go Kimmich and Trent. Now, for those that watched last night, Trent didn't look world-class at all. Centre-backs, Van Dijk is world-class. Marquinhos is world-class. Now, it does fraction my rule about not playing in part-time leagues, but he plays all the time, and he's great, and he's brilliant for Brazil. After them at centre-back, it is a thought exercise. So there's a lot of young centre-backs, I think, will get to that level. There's a few who were, who no longer are. But I still think Koulibaly probably warrants being called world-class. I don't think there's anyone else in the Premier League I would suggest as world-class. Romero... After Van Dijk is the best central defender in the league, in my view. He's not at that level yet. I don't think Ruben Diaz is world-class. I don't think Laporte has... Laporte probably was before the injury, but not now. Um, Varane was kind of pre-2018, but hasn't been since. There's no one at Arsenal worth considering. And remember, the world-class players are only going to be at the top clubs. That's just how it is. The best players play for the best clubs. Um, So I think I've only got three centre-backs because I'm not ready to go there with Tomori. I'm not putting Bremer there. Skriniar, I think, is probably just a notch below. Bastoni will get there. He's not there yet. In Spain, Alaba's... Alaba's, Do you know what? David Alaba's a world-class player, but he's a world-class left-back. He's not a world-class centre-back. I'm going to put him in anyway. Um, Rudiger's clearly not. Militao's not. There's no world-class player in the right position in that rail back four. There's none at Barca in their back four. Kunde will get there. Arejo has a chance. I don't know that he'll get there, but he has a chance. Um, that would be it there. There's no one else in France. They're either not to the level or they're too young to be considered and in the Bundesliga I mean Delict should be by now but hasn't developed properly and Lucas Hernandez is just a notch below so that's it that's what I've got for all the defenders in the world I've got six that I would class as world class and one of them plays in midfield and another one plays out of position Goalkeepers, I do think there's a few. Allison is world class. 
Nauer is world-class. Courtois is world-class. And I think Oblak is as well. I know he had a bad season last year, but I'm going to put him in anyway. So I've got 10. I've got 10. I think goalkeeper's tough because it, it does one of them allowed per team, obviously. And uh, I do think we do have four genuinely great goalkeepers in Ali, Nauer, Thibaut and Jan Oblak. Um, midfield, you start with the best one, which is KDB. Thiago's world-class. I'll hear absolutely no disagreements on that. Um, I think Fabinho's world-class. And I think Casemiro is as well. I think Rodri might be the best holding midfielder in the world right now, but I don't think he's world-class. I don't think he's done it for long enough. Like Last season was his first great season. So I need to see more of that. Um, Bernardo's a level below, I think. Gundogan's a level, like a, a very tiny amount below. LK just doesn't, he's never stayed fit enough to do it season after season. Thiago at least did at Bayern and showed himself to be the best in the world at what he does. Tony Cruz and Luka Modric are obviously world-class. Now, they're both on the decline, especially Cruz, but I'm still going to give them their give them their flowers, uh, as it were. Um, other midfielders. I mean, I think Barella will get there. I just don't think he's there yet. Same goes to the likes of Chumeni and Bellingham and Camavinga. They, they could get there. They're not there yet. In the Premier League, I don't think there's anybody else. There's nobody united other than Casemiro. Ericsson's very good. He's not world-class, never was. We've talked about the City ones, Liverpool have two. Um, there's no one at Arsenal that's world-class. There's nobody at Arsenal, full stop, that's world-class. There's no world-class midfielders at Spurs. There's Kante. See, I'm always... Kante was exceptionally good at his best. Just think that's a couple of... Like, in the last three years, other than probably four months in the lead-up to them winning the Champions League after Tuchel took over, I think Kante's been largely two levels below what he was at his best. Injuries just caught up with him. After the after the World Cup, I just don't think he, he's really been the same player. Um, Barcelona, Frankie hasn't developed the way he should have. Gavi and Pedri will get there. They're not there yet. Busquets was, but he's too far down the road. I have the Real boys. Uh, Saul was for time, not anymore. Koke never was that level. There's no one else in that league. Go back around Serie A. There's nobody world-class at Roma. Nobody at Lazio. Nobody at Atalanta. Milan. Benesser, I think, tops out at kind of the Gundogan level, just a notch below. Um, Bundesliga, I mean, I have Kimmich as a mid-defender. 
Goretzka's not world-class, not consistent enough. And that's probably it for that. That's probably it for that. So uh, I've got six. So that gives me 16, which leaves me with four. Or sorry, with six spots in attack. Uh, Mohamed Salah is world-class. Harry Kane is world-class. None of the other Liverpool attackers are world-class. I think Hyungman's son is world-class. Mbappe is obviously world-class. I don't think Haaland is there yet because he's been injured so much. But he clearly, like, he's clearly there, but I just don't know that he's fully earned it yet. Do you know what I mean? Messi is clearly world-class and will be until 2050, no matter what. Uh, Syria, Chiesa, I think, is was on his route to getting there, but the injury has knocked him back. Vlahovic isn't there yet. None of the inter-attackers are there. Lukaku's a level below Martinez. Might get there, but I just don't know. Uh, Tammy's not there. Zan- Zaniolo has the talent, but can he stay fit enough? Dybala flirted with it a few years ago, but then he met Cristiano and fell off. Um, Immobile, I wouldn't put in that category. There's no one at Atalanta. None of the AC Milan forwards. Rafael Leao will get there, but he's not there yet. Um, in the Bundesliga... I mean, you're only really looking at Bayern. Mane was, I don't think he is anymore. I don't think he is anymore. And I know I know I've got two to come from the from Syria, so I'm actually gonna have 23. But um I don't think Sane's been consistent enough to be considered world class. Same thing goes for Nabry, same thing goes for uh, Kingsley Coleman, they're wonderful players. I just don't think they're what I would class as the best of the very best. Same with Dembele. Rafinha's, I think, Max is at a level just below, kind of that Bernardo Silva sort of territory of just been a stage below. Um, Lewandowski is world class. He was one of the ones I wanted to put in. If Vinicius continues to play the way he has for the last probably 17 months, he'll be world-class by this time next year. Um, Benzema is obviously world-class. I don't think... I I love Valverde. I just don't think he's a world-class player in the making. I think he's, again, just... He'll be a great player, but not a world-class player. So that's what I've got. I've got Allison, Manuel. Now, see, I've put David Alaba in. The guy hasn't played centre back, hasn't played left back in two and a half years. So I'm actually going to take him out. I'm going to take him out. Um, Allison, Nauer, Portois, Oblak. 
don't think there's any real debate with any of them. Kimmich, Trent, Van Dijk, Marquinhos, Koulibaly. Kimmich does still play right back the odd time, so I think I can get him in because he is world-class at right back. There's no doubt about it. He's incredible there. Uh, midfield, De Bruyne, Thiago, Fabinho. Not this season, but in general. Casemiro, and he's been poor for quite Never mind. Casemiro, Cruz, and Modric. I don't think I'm missing anybody. Like, I really don't think I've, I've missed anybody who deserves to be called world-class. Salah, Kane, Son, Mbappe, Messi, Lewandowski, Benzema. I mean, you, you could absolutely put Haaland in there. You could and probably should put Haaland in there. But I'm just going to hold off. Because, like, what are we looking at? Like, there's, there's no doubting he's going to be. There's absolutely no doubting at all that Erling Haaland is going to be world-class. But real, <clears throat> realistically, he's been at City for a couple of months. He's played less than 10 games. He played 89 games in in Germany for Borussia Dortmund. Like I, I, I'm not factoring what he did in six months at Red Bull Salzburg, he, he, the Austrian league. I'm not factoring what happened in, in Norway. And people will say Neymar, and I'll just say no. No. Been a part-time player for six years. World-class talent, absolutely. Incredibly talented, unbelievably talented. Maybe, maybe the most talented player on the planet outside of Lionel Messi. But he's a part-time footballer. And on the biggest stages, he hasn't turned up. So no. Um yeah, like it's two and a half years in the Bundesliga for um Haaland. It's just it's too soon. It's too soon. For my list, anyway. I don't think I'm missing anybody. If I am, let me know. If I've if I've egregiously left someone off, or you think that you know someone like Bernardo, I wouldn't I wouldn't really fight you with that one because I, I do think he's so so good. But I just think when we talk about world class, it's about doing it year on year on year, game on game on game. And these are the guys that I think have done that. Like I, With Kimmich, I think he's just a level below as a midfielder, but he's absolutely world-class as a right-back. So he's a world-class player. Yeah, I'm happy with that. If, if you disagree, let me know. Um, fact 1977, can... Onana make Iwobi into a serviceable midfielder and who from the last few seasons outside the top six have turned their careers around with the addition of a strong player who makes the team better do you know what credit to Alex Iwobi he's actually been decent for Everton this year he's probably been the best player now Onana's been really really good since going to that team like really really good and I do think that that trio of Davies Onana and Iwobi gives you so much work rate that it is working. 
and it is making uh, it will be serviceable in a midfield position, and it's making Davies look like the player he was meant to be a few years ago. Who's turned their career around? That's actually a good one. Someone that maybe looked like they were on the slide but have bounced back either with a move or with a teammate coming in. Um, outside the top six, obviously. Let's think about this now. I mean, I will give you one example. Now, it is a top six, but Mane looked like he was finished and the arrival of Diaz did spark him back into, into life. Um, Wilf Zaha, I think he's turned things around. I think he was excellent last year and he had looked like he was starting to maybe stagnate and fall off just a little bit. But I think he's managed to turn things around really well. And he started this season in great form. Uh, and I think the arrivals of Eze and then Olise to lift the creative burden off of him, I think has been a big, big help. Um, I'll give you an example of things that went the opposite direction. Bruno Fernandes was one of the best players in the league. And uh, the arrival of Cristiano caused him to fall off. Um. Craig Dawson turned his career around because he was very much heading for the scrap heap before he went to West Ham. So it's not a teammate, but a manager. Moyes reinvigorated his career completely. So I, I'll throw him in as, as a, I think, a really good example. Um, and obviously, look, playing with the likes of Ogbonna and then Zuma, as opposed to the Drek that he played with at like Watford and West Brom, I think played a, a big a big part in that as well. AMK2889, where does Prime Bobby rank amongst amongst false nines? And overall, would you say that he is was that that is was his best position? Yeah, it was definitely. I mean, Bobby was a 10 at Hoffenheim, obviously. Came to Liverpool as a 10. Uh, Rogers thought he was a wing back for reasons not only to Rogers. Then decided to play him on the wing. Uh, Klopp took over and put him back where he belonged as a 10. And he was good to begin with. But then when he moved him to the nine in the in kind of the first full season, the 16-17 season with Mane one side and um, Mane one side and Coutinho the other side, that really did work well. Um Amongst false nines, I mean, it's not like there's been a ton of them. Messi's the best one. Messi's the best one. Um, I mean, the original false nine, if you want to call it that, call it that, is Haida Guti, Haida Guti, the Hungarian that played in the Mighty Magyars team back in the fifties with. Pucks, uh, Puskas and Coxis and uh, Bosic and those kind of players. He played as a false nine and would drop into midfield. Um, so he's the kind of originator of that. What people f forget regularly is that 
almost everything we see in football has already happened. And if you go back and watch what uh, Gustav Sebes did with that Hungarian team, you see so much of his influence in all the major kind of coaching strands now. So much of Renus Michael's teachings came from him. So much of what Arrigo Saki believed in came from him. So much of what Lobanovsky did came from him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was the kind of the earliest form of total football, but it was on and off the ball. So, yeah, I mean, that, that Hungarian team is the, the best team not to win the World Cup by a considerable margin even better than the Dutch teams of the of the 70s or even those German teams in the 70s that didn't, was 70s and early 80s that didn't win the World Cup. They won it in, in 90, obviously. Uh, was it no, was it the 80s? It was the 80s, 82 and 86 they lost the final. Yeah, better than that team, better than the, the Dutch team that lost two finals, I think. Certainly one final in 78. Did they lose one with Cruyff as well? I thought they did. Um, either way, that's the best team ever to win the World Cup. Um, other than that, I'm trying, it's it's tough to think of other false nine types. I mean, Suarez, when he was with Liverpool, was a bit of a false nine, but he was also a nine. Like, he scored a ton of goals, but he would drop off and he'd drop wide and he'd do kind of everything for everybody. And then Rogers just started kind of playing him a little bit to the right and letting Sturridge play through the middle. Um, I Mane's played there, but he was played as a kind of as a nine. There hasn't really been a whole bunch of players who've played as a false nine for a prolonged period. Like even Messi was probably only a year. You know, you think back through teams that have won the European Cup and teams that have won the major leagues, and it's very difficult to think of too many false nine types. So I'm going to say Bobby's third after the Hungarian, who's second, and Messi, who's number one. Um, question for the pod. I saw people doing a tier list of Liverpool players. It got me thinking with how many bad referees Oh, I can't get into the referee thing at the moment. Uh, Tiberius, I will do it. I just, I can't get into it. They're all in the bottom tier. They are. They're all in the bottom tier. <clears throat> Isaac Gilding, few questions. How does it feel to have called Diego Costa two years ago? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit too late now. He's a little, he's a lot washed, but it is what it is. I hope he does well. I really do. His work permit's been approved, so I hope he does well. It's a much better signing than Andy Carroll, even though I'm not sure what he has to offer at this point. I've uh, been thinking about Liverpool's frustrations and how with Darwin and Mo, we have two players that are exceptional exceptional at running on to balls, playing to spaces behind defenders. But at the moment, Mo is way too wide and Darwin just ends up vaguely near the six-yard box with the rest of the team unable to get the ball to him because they're playing badly. Would you be in favour of switching to a deeper system like a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-4 where we lie and wait for spaces to open up and we play our two best goal scorers in as much as possible? Other members of the team suit this as well, as I believe you've spoken about before. Fab and Thiago in a two, Diaz and Elliot 
as wingers, back four could remain largely the same. To my eye, the way we're playing at the moment is simply keeping teams under mild pressure, which instead of creating chances is actually just congesting the spaces for our attackers to play in. I 100% agree. And if it was me, if it was me, what I'd do is I'd play Gomez at right back, Kanate at centre-back once he's fit, Matip until then, Virgil and Robertson or Costas, depending on who's in form. Diaz, I'd play high and wide on the left. I'd play Thiago as the left of the two central midfielders, Fabinho as the right. I'd play Trent on the right of midfield in a narrow channel, having him move from there to a wide right position. And I'd play Mo just off Darwin through the middle, play two of them up front. And I'd look to use the passing ability of Thiago and Trent to exploit any and all gaps, to hit Mo and Darwin in behind, to play that long switch ball out to Diaz on the left and use the pace of those three to just cut teams open on the counter-attack with the quality service they can get from Trent, from Thiago and from Virgil, who's one of the best long passers in the world. But I would sit sit in a bit more defensively. I'd probably play Robbo because I think he's a bit better defensively than than Costas, even though he's out of form. Because I think I could get Gomez and Robbo to sit in as fullbacks and just protect the goal. Basically, just protect the goal. And I'd look to win a bunch of games one and two nil. Because you've got to get through this somehow. Now, I've been against the idea of Trent in midfield, but this is more of a sort of wide midfield role, almost like a, almost like a glorified wing back. But it, playing in the same sort of positions he's playing in now, it's just that's the starting position. He's not moving there from right back. I've now got a right back behind him. That's what I do. And I think... Jota can be the backup to Diaz and the backup to uh, the front two as well. So he can play in that kind of setup as well. So that's what I would do. Yeah, that is what I would do. I'm going to do the gossip and I'm going to be done for today. Uh, Graham Potter, by the way, is set to be appointed the new Chelsea manager. He's agreed a five-year contract. Um, Now, a five-year contract at Chelsea means nothing. Because the last manager who to last five years at Chelsea was uh, Dave Sexton, who they sacked in 1974. But, you know, hopefully it's guaranteed and he makes sure he gets all of his money. Manchester United are ready to open talks with Marcus Rashford over a new contract. Uh, he should turn it down. Southampton's 28-year-old English winger Nathan Redmond is sent for medical with Besiktas before the Turkish window closes on Thursday, which is today, obviously. Uh, Juventus are preparing a straight swap for Aston Villa's Douglas Louise with Moise Keane going the other way. I mean, they're not even pretending that they're not making this stuff up now. Moise Keane is owned by Everton Football Club. He becomes the property of Juventus at the end of this season for 28 million 
at which point Douglas Louise will be available on a free. So unless they were to buy Moiskeen now, which I don't think they really want to do, and then swap him straight away, which just seems like a bizarre thing. And why would he agree to that, considering he didn't like England to begin with? It's just there's no truth to it. Uh, Luis is expected to leave Villa as a free agent when his contract expires. <clears throat> Fulham's former Portugal winger, Ivan Cavallero, is closing in on a season-long loan to Alianaspor. Galatasaray have agreed a loan deal for Mauro Cardi. He, I think he'll score bundles over there. I hope he does anyway. Um, Juan Mata is also believed to be joining Galatasaray. Thomas Tuchel was shocked at his dismissal as Chelsea boss and pleaded with the club's hierarchy for more time in the job. Tuchel's sacking cost Chelsea about £15 with the German getting a £13 payout and his backroom staff getting £2 Well, that won't have been sorted yet, but I'd imagine it's probably more because his new deal that he signed after winning the European Cup took him up to the summer of 2024 on about £10 a year. So he'll be due probably 17 to 18, and his coaching staff probably 3 to 5. So unless he's taking a discount, it won't be that, that cheap. Uh, Brighton will be due a 20 million compensation package. It's actually 14 million. Uh, but if they try and take any more staff, then it could get big, bigger. I do wonder if Brighton might put something in their in that contract where Chelsea can't buy any players from them for a year or two. Um, Crystal Palace have offered Wilf and Didi a new contract. No, Wilf and Didi, Wilf Zaha a new contract. I hope he signs it. I do. I'd like him to stay there. Everton are unlikely to move for a free agent goalkeeper with Jordan Pickford facing a month on the sidelines after straining his thigh. Um, Asmir Begovic in goal. All the best. Speaking of free agent goalkeepers, Loris Karius is on his way to Newcastle as short-term cover, and I'm personally delighted for him because I like Loris Karius. Um, Barcelona have denied rejecting a bid from Gerard Piquet to buy a stake in Barca Studios. Okay. Shakhtar Donetsk want more than 30 million for Ukrainian winger Mykalo Mudrik amid interest from Everton and Arsenal and Brentford. Uh, that's it. That is all the gossip. That is me for today, folks. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Uh, the, the transfer window review show will be probably Wednesday of next week, as things stand. That's what's looking. We're going to record it tonight in two parts. So I'll probably put part one out Wednesday in this slot. And then uh, Kevin will put part two out on his feed on the Sunday or something like that. And that's it. That is us. Bye-bye.
Social Podcast Network.